Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Let me read you something as we get going tonight. Who is God? And what is his job? Well, according to Danny Dunton, he says this. God's main job is making people. He makes these to put in place of the ones that die so there'll be enough people to take care of the things on the earth. He doesn't make grown-ups, just babies. I think it's because they are smaller and easier to make. That way, he doesn't take up his time teaching them to walk and talk. He can just leave that up to the moms and dads. I think that works out pretty good. This is actually a true article. God's second most important job is listening to prayers. An awful lot of these go on as some people, like preachers, pray at other times besides bedtime. God doesn't have time to listen to radio or TV on account of this, as he hears everything, including prayers. There must be a terrible lot of noise in his ears unless he had thought of a way to turn it off. God sees everything, he hears everything, and is everywhere, which keeps him pretty busy. So you shouldn't go wasting time by going over your parents' head by asking for something they said you couldn't have. Atheists are people who don't believe in God. I don't think there are any in our city. At least there aren't any that come to our church. If you don't believe in God, besides being an atheist, you'll be very lonely because your parents can't go everywhere with you like to camp, but God can. It's good to know he's around when you're scared of the dark and you can't swim very good and you get thrown into the really deep water by big kids. But you shouldn't just think what God can do for you. I figure God put me here and he can take me back at any time he pleases. And that's why I believe in God. That's a a true article, actually, from uh, the little boy named Danny Dunton who lives in Chula Vista, uh, California. So I've titled this sermon series over the next three, maybe four weeks. I've titled this sermon series Holy Prayer for two reasons. Number one, because the purpose of the holidays is to acknowledge it's a holy day. Did you know that the etymology of the word holiday comes from the idea of holy day? Holy day gradually evolved to its current form of holiday. So even, listen, even when people are saying happy holidays, they're actually saying happy holy day because it's a holy day. And by the way, Christians, we say Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, that's great. I might say, happy holidays, Merry Christmas. I'm going to throw in Christmas. Amen. Because Christmas is about Christ. 
And you can't have Christmas without Christ. I feel like preaching a Christmas sermon. You can't have Christmas without Christ. So when people say happy holidays, they're actually saying happy holy day. The second reason why I wanted to do this teaching on holy prayer is because I wanted to encourage people to pray, encourage Christians to pray during the upcoming holidays. I think we get so busy with buying gifts and wrapping gifts and getting them to people and dinner and family coming in and all of these things that we, and it starts at Thanksgiving. Actually, it seems like it's getting early and early every year. Have you noticed that? You start seeing like Christmas ads in August. Thanksgiving in July. It's getting crazy. So we as Christians, we can't allow the holidays to overtake our sense of Christianity and our sense of who we are as believers. So we stop praying. Uh, because we've got to get up and get stuff done, and we've got to go here, and we've got to go there. We stop going to church. Oh, I just missed church on Wednesday evening. I mean, I've got to get over here and get over there. i got to miss church on Sunday because we've got to go over here, and we've got to go over there. We've got to be mindful that even during the holidays, we need to be people of prayer, and we need to be people about the Father's business. Now, I think we'd all agree that prayer is something we talk about, but few do it. I'm going to say that again. Prayer is something we talk about, but few do it. If you're going to experience the fullness of God, saints, you've got to pray. If you want to open the floodgates of heaven, you must pray. If you want to experience the fullness of the blessings of God, you must pray. Paul told us, pray without ceasing. Now, if Paul is telling us to pray without ceasing, we need to understand what prayer is and who we're praying to. So tonight we begin this topic of holy prayer, and I wanted to begin with, you know, God is faithful. Y'all didn't hear me. I said God is faithful. Yeah, I'll wait while you clap your hands, right? So when I said that we were going to do this whole thing on holy prayer, this was back in October, I think I mentioned it. And I said, we we're gonna, I had no idea where we were going to go. I had no idea what we were going to talk about. I had no idea. I just felt like it's important to talk about prayer during this season. So I still had no idea up to last night. I said, God, you got to speak, and you got to speak fast. Then you know, you, you think you all that when you're telling God, you got to speak. God, you got to speak. I say something. So... I'm, I'm thinking, okay, God, where do you want me to start with all this? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to start? And I think a really good place to start talking about prayer is to talk about who God is. You know where I'm going, don't you? Because if we have a right understanding of who God is, that's going to shape your prayers. That's going to cause you, you know, if you believe that God is awesome, that God is omnipotent, that God is all-powerful, that God is omnipresent, well, then when you pray, you believe God can do all things because of who he is. But if your God is really small, well, you're most likely not going to be praying. You're going to be walking in the flesh. So it's good to start with who God is. Got your pen? I'm going to give you three things about a holy God, who God is. Real simple. 
Three things about a holy God. Number one, God is holy in his person. God is holy in his person in verses one through three of Psalm 99. We'll talk about it. Number two, God is holy in his principles. God is holy in his person. God is holy in his principles. And then finally, number three, we'll talk about it. God is holy in his presence. Say amen. God is holy in his person. God is holy in his principles. And God is holy in his presence. Person, principles, presence. Person, principles, presence. We'll talk about that. I've titled this sermon, Holy Prayer, Who is God? Psalm 99, let me turn in myself. Psalm 99, it's a fairly short psalm. Come on, let's read it together. Look at verse uh, 1. The Lord reigns, let the people tremble. He dwells between the cherubim, let the earth be moved. The Lord is great in Zion, and he is high above all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name, Somebody read this with me. He is holy. In verse 4, you're looking at it, say amen. The king's strength also loves justice. You have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. Why, saints? He is holy. Moses and Aaron were among the priests, and Samuel was among those who called upon his name. And they called upon the Lord. And he answered them and he spoke to them in a cloudy pillar. They kept his testimonies and the ordinances he gave them. You answered them, O Lord God, you were to them. God who forgives, though you took vengeance on their deeds. Verse nine, y'all come on, read it with me. Exalt the Lord, our God and worship at his holy hill for the Lord. Our God is holy. Saints, stop right there before we get into our outline of who God is, I want to answer the question some have asked. Who created God? Who created God? Final answer, no one. No one. No one created God. God, write this down. God is uncaused. God is uncaused. That means that God had no beginning. He's the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. God is the only being whose existence is not contingent on or on something or someone else. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, opens with, in the beginning, anybody know? God, you know, created the heavens and the earth. Moses wrote the book of Genesis, and Moses has nothing to say about God's origin. Because there's nothing to say. God has no origin. He always has been, and he always will be. He has no origin. There's never been a time when he was not. The Bible opens with the assumption that God was the only one in the beginning. God owes his existence to no one and nothing. Exodus chapter 3, Moses asked God who he should say sent him, and God said, I am that I am, or I be that I be. Or, I exist because I exist. You can't get your brain around that. 
You can't, you can't, because it doesn't make sense to us, right? Because for us, if we have a created thing, there must have been a creator, right? I tell you all the time, you got to watch. There had to be a watchmaker. Got a pair of shoes. There had to be a cobbler. Y'all get it. Now, if you ain't been around here at Calvary Chapel, you thinking a peach cobbler. Thanksgiving is over. A cobbler is a shoemaker. If you got clothes, you got a, a tailor or a seamstress. So if you have something that's created, then there has to be a creator, except in the case of God. I be that I be. I exist because I exist. So this God who always existed, number one, is holy in his person. Look at verse three. Let them praise your great name and awesome name. He is holy. God has many names in the Bible. Remember Exodus chapter 17, when the battle was won against the Amalekites, Moses said, Jehovah, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner. Genesis 22, God provided a ram in the bush. Abraham said, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides. Exodus 15, he is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord will heal or restore. Judges 6.24, he is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our, anybody know? Peace. Jeremiah 23.6, he is Jehovah Tzitkanu, Jehovah Tzitkanu, the Lord our righteousness. Psalm 23, he's our shepherd. Jehovah Roihai. He's our shepherd. God is called gracious, all those names, and gracious, and merciful, and sovereign, and everlasting, and Emmanuel. God is all of these things. But the one that fits him best is holy. It's holy. The name holy is used for God more than any other name in the Bible, more than any other name. It's the only epithet of God that is repeated three times. Isaiah 6, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and above it stood seraphim, each having six wings. With two, he covered his face, and with two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. And one cried out to another and said, love, 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 the Lord is God. Is that what it says? One cried out to another and said, Eternal, eternal, eternal is the Lord God Almighty. What does it say, saints? One cried out to another and said, Faithful, faithful, faithful is the Lord our God Almighty. What do you say, saints? One cried out to another and said, Wise, wise, wise is the Lord God Almighty. You get it. You get it. They cried out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The whole earth is full of his glory. Repeating three times. Revelation 4, 8. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around within. And they do not rest day and night, saying, holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. You see, the ancients, leave that verse there for a second, please. The ancients 
didn't have a way to emphasize a statement in print when they wanted to stress the importance of something. For example, if we wanted to stress the importance of something, we would put it in bold. Or we would put it in, y'all listening? We would put it in italics. Or we would put it in all caps. Or we would write the word and then underscore it or take your highlighter and you would highlight it if you're trying to emphasize something. In the ancient writings, they would repeat the word. That's the way they would make the emphasis. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto thee. So by Jesus saying it twice, listen, here's Bible students. This, When you see something written twice, that is important. A word repeated twice, it is always important throughout the entire Bible. Very important. You might want to take note of it, find out what it means, and dig into those two words. Jesus said, verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, or listen up, listen up, what I'm about to say is important. Whenever a name is mentioned twice in scripture, it's really important. I think of uh, Paul, Paul the apostle on the road to Damascus to kill Christians. Acts chapter 9, remember? And so he sees a bright light, he falls to the ground, and he hears Jesus say, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Important. Martha, Martha, you're worried about so many things. Mary has chosen a better part. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How I've wanted to gather you as a mother hen gathers her chicks, but you are not willing. Abraham, Abraham, I see you're willing to be obedient. God has provided a ram in the bush. Offer it instead of offering your only son. Here in our text, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. God is holy. Now, let me give you two words. Holy in Hebrew is kadosh. Hebrew in the Old Testament, kadosh, K-A-D-O-S-H, kadosh. Holy in Greek, somebody knows, hagiazo, hagios, hagiazo. Both of these words mean set apart, separate from sin. In other words, listen, God can't be around sin. In other words, God has an allergy to sin because he is holy. God is holy. Look at verse 1 in Psalm 99. The Lord reigns. That speaks of the sovereignty of God. Write that in your margins. The word sovereign means God does whatever he pleases. Psalm 115.3, our God is in heaven and he does whatever he pleases. Listen, to say that God is sovereign is to declare that God is God. God is sovereign. That's simply what it means. It's a big word to just say God does whatever he wants. And you don't have to like it. But he does whatever he wants because he is God. God's sovereignty means God knows no boundaries. The sovereignty of God is not just one in a long list of attributes of God, like omniscience or omnipotent or omnipresent. All of these attributes flow out of the sovereignty of God. So omniscient and omnipotent and omnipresent and all of these things 
of who God is, stay with me, will you? All of these things of who God is flows out of his sovereignty. Did you know that God is a sovereign person? He's not an energy, not a force, not electricity. He's a person. Remember, the third person of the Godhead. He is a person. He's the first person of the Godhead. Pardon me. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. A person has a mind and a will. A person has intelligence and emotion and a will. And the reason we know he's a person, because notice in verse 1, only a person can reign. The Lord God reigns. He reigns above all the peoples. Look at verse 2. He reigns between the cherubim at his footstool in verse 5. He reigns in a cloudy pillar in verse 7. He reigns in his holy hill in verse 9. Y'all see all those? He reigns in his holy hill, verse 9. Now, here are some other characteristics of God that flow out of his sovereignty. And these three characteristics of God all begin with O, the letter O. You're going to learn something tonight, right? The letter O, characteristics of God that flow out of his sovereignty. First of all, God is omniscient omniscient. That means God is all-knowing. In other words, God knows everything, and he has unlimited knowledge. He knows everything you've ever done. You can't hide anything from God, so don't try. There are 5.6, approximately 5.6 billion people on the planet, and he knows about every single one of us. The all-knowing God knows the thoughts and the intents of the heart. God knows tonight if you really want to be here. Amen. Bet you you perked up then, didn't you? You're like, oh, yeah, I want to be here. God knows if you're growing in your faith or you're playing games as a Christian. He knows what you're thinking right now. That's scary. He knows our words and our deeds and our thoughts and our, emo- our motives. God is omniscient. He knows everything. God is never surprised. God is never amazed. God never discovers anything. God never says, oh, my God, I didn't know that. <laughs> you should write that down. He never says, oh, myself, I didn't know that. He never seeks information. He never asks questions. He never needs consultants. Why? Because he knows everything. That's the word omniscient. Secondly, God is not only omniscient, but he is omnipotent. Omnipotent, which means he is all-powerful. He's able to do whatever he wants. God spoke the word and the universe came into being. The universe was situated and went into motion at his word. Psalm 33, 6-9 says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and all of the host of them by the breath of his mouth. For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. God is all-powerful. Jeremiah 32, 17. O Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. That's a great verse, Jeremiah 32, 17. Did you get it? That's a great verse that all of us should know. 
Our God is a great and awesome, powerful God, and there's nothing he can't do. And you want me to tell you one of the greatest proofs that God is awesome and powerful? It's not in what he does. It's not in what he created. It's not in that he spoke the world into existence. It's not that he flung the stars into space. All those things are awesome, and that's great. But that is not necessarily the greatest proof that God is powerful. The greatest proof that God is powerful and the power of the gospel is the trail of changed lives in its path. Am I right about it, saints? Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. He took Peter the denier and Paul the persecutor, and by his grace and mercy and power, he changed them. Think of your own testimony. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.